Yo, what up, everybody? It's Premrock. Very happy to release load-bearing crow's feet available everywhere via Backwood Studios. Um, shouts to Fly Fidelity, the Flies podcast, out. Uh, I'm over here across the pond, but you know, I'm going to come see you guys soon. Peace. First, First I, I say, say, what, what we're going to do. do. Then, then you, you say, say, I don't know. What do you want to do? What we're going to do, what you want to do. I have an idea. You're going to dig this. The Fly Fidelity Podcast is the solution. It's the best. Check it out. You want to get super fly, fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. Incredible content for incredible times. Welcome to episode 28, featuring special guest Prem Rock. On this episode, we discuss his Backwoods Studios debut, Load Bearing Crow's Feet, working through a second career turning point, and more on this episode. Enjoy the conversation. So you've occupied a pretty prolific and transitional couple of years between last year's Shrapnel in this new album, which you describe as your most fully realized album to date. How do you think load-bearing crow's feet has forged you to adopt a new focus with making music? Um, it, it's definitely part and parcel with Shrapnel in terms of knowing that there's more eyes on me, there's more people checking out what I'm doing, and uh, that, that, that informed the making of this record a little bit. I wanted to, I, I had a little bit more of the record ready to go in a different uh, form. And then I decided like, I need to add some new songs. I need to make this a definitive work. Um, and it, it feels like the stakes are higher. I need to make better uh, music and I'm always trying to push myself to be better. But now, you know, the people, the amount of people that can hear it combined with the level of people that can hear it makes you, rethink your approach in terms of um you know you can make every artist makes more songs and make the album right right um i mean i would say almost every every artist has a couple songs that didn't make the record or whatever sure so you know this could have been a 14 track record instead of 12 um but i realized that these those two songs weren't of the same caliber of of the statement i was trying to make so it made me you know it made me step my game up and uh and once you reach that you know, that bar, you can't go under it again. You got to keep pushing it and, uh, and trying to make better stuff. And, and that's really where I think I'm just, I've reached the, the plateau at the right time, writing wise, recording wise, all that. Well, you mentioned approach just earlier. Let's talk more about that approach. Was there anything you approached differently as a way to run as far from stagnation as you could with, with this release? What were the biggest changes this time? I would say, Ah oh, man, intent like high, like high level intent of what I wanted to get across, right? Uh, it felt like a, a definitive statement. So if 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 they were to find your uh, you know a time capsule of who you were uh, 30, 40 years from now, right? Like what would you want to be in that time capsule? What would you want to be the defining traits or the defining things? Is it a, a tape you like? The book you read? Um, 
uh, a picture you painted, a picture you took, a picture you're in. Uh, I wanted this to be that for me during this time, this pivotal time of my career, where it's kind of like put up or shut up, you know, like it's it's kind of like, yeah, you can make music for the rest of your life. Sure. No one's ever going to stop you from doing that. And it doesn't matter how many people are listening. If you're making music for yourself, then you're fine. Mm. But if I'm going to make a, a statement that puts me in the conversation of, you know, the upper tier of, of the indie rap world, which I, you know, believe I, I, I'm in and should be in, uh, then I have to I have to have clear intent with this record. It has to be there's not, gonna, there's not gonna be any songs rapping about rapping, you know? There's not gonna be songs about how I'm the greatest. There's not gonna be songs about, uh, you know, COVID, uh, because I don't believe that hyper-focused uh, songs about a period of time or a period of, of, of events uh, ever age well, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because time moves on. Uh, if you name drop uh, one of Trump's cabinet members, uh, that's immediately, uh, you know, irrelevant a year from now or uh, a celebrity occurrence that happened or a meme, uh, you're dating yourself. So I wanted to make the record, uh, the intent was to, ma to make it timeless. To mean if you find it 20 years from now, you could still call it, um, you know, a great piece of music that reflects that era for sure, but at the same time can exist in multi, multi uh, uh, timelines. Right. We're talking about a project which is as much about where you've been as where you're going. How do you think this body of work holds some mirror to your intentions as an Asian artist whose best work is ahead of you as much as it's behind you? Um, it's a good question. I, I think it holds a mirror in terms of what do I want? Uh, what do I want next? Um, you know, what did I expect? Uh, what I expected to happen is irrelevant. Um, because what happened is, is, is what happened. And, um, right. you know, you, you can spend time with the past as much as you want, um, as much as your mental health will allow <laughs> for, bit, for better or worse. Right. Um, so I think it, it, it held a mirror in terms of like, well, there's, there's no, uh, time to, when you put a signature work out, right. Like I'm going to have many, you know, projects that I'm involved in on that I would consider, you get you get 100% of what I'm doing, and I'm never gonna like phone it in. But this record's a signature record. Um, I think it kind of was presented as such. I think it's being received as such. So uh, going forward, I think I have to keep that same level of fo focus and intent. And uh, uh, I think it just means things are gonna get better. And uh, as long as I don't let up, that should come to uh, fruition. What about going forward? Did you feel any pressure coming off the heels of releasing, you know, one of last year's most critically acclaimed albums with Curdy Castro under the group Shrapnel? Was there pressure going forward with this release? Um, yes, there was, but I feel like it was good pressure. Um, yeah. I felt like I uh, was, you know, kind of channeling the energy that I, I got from all of these people that had not really been checking for me, you know, yourself included, uh, most likely, um, that, that now we're like, okay, who is this guy? You know, maybe they dug into the back catalog, but probably not extensively. And now I have a chance on backwards again to, to tell them really my side of the story, uh, completely. And I, it was more like, like I said, this on a, uh, the call out culture podcast, that's going to come out a few days, but I said, it was more nice. like, let me add it. Let me add him. You know what I mean? Not like, oh, what am I going to do? Am I going to be all right? It's more like I'm re I'm ready. Like this is this I'm ready for them to hear me and to see um, what I can do on my own. And yeah, it's more like that. So. 
It ain't that hard for you to get along with everyone. You got all these songs you never play for anyone. Anyone. God damn, God damn. Death only installment plan. It's like it ain't that hard for you to get along with everyone. You got all these songs you never play for anyone. What are you looking for when you're working with a producer? Uh, interesting question. So sometimes you want, you can get it in your head that you want a specific person and you're like, okay, I need this producer involved in this project, you know? Uh, and then, then the onus is on you to find the right beat or the, or hopefully they give you a diverse package. You can kind of dig through it. Um, wanted to work with Denmark, um, for a while. Um, Got to know him, uh, you know, not 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 too well, but well enough that we're friendly if we see each other. Um, and I, you know, felt fine texting him and being like, "Hey, uh, you know, here I'm working on this record. I want you on it." Um, and what I wanted from him um, was very specifically what I got. You know, it, it's one of those situations where it worked out the way it was in your head, perfectly, um, you know, well. And uh, I don't. That doesn't happen. Uh, too often, you know, uh, you, you, the best laid plans, right. They don't always work out the way you exactly want them to work out. And, and right. sometimes you feel like you're shoehorning something into the record. Now with Denmark, I think we knocked it out the park. Uh, brain orchestra was a suggestion brought to me by a small professor. He basically, well, I asked him, I said, Hey, there's some, you know, I want some new sounds on this record I'm working on, you know, what do you, uh, who, who do you know? And he listens to everybody. As far as producers, that dude is like an encyclopedia. He's up on everyone. He listens to everybody. And that was the first guy he suggested was Brain Orchestra. So I, I dug into him, hit him up immediately. And, um, you know, we made a – it was really, really great in terms of uh, exchange. Um, I hope we work together again. But what I wanted to pull from him was specifically the canvases that I got, kind of these lush, melodic – uh, polished songs that ended up being really important linchpins to the record. And if I don't have them, it's not, it's not nearly what I wanted and, uh, how I would get that sound without him. Um, then I would have to kind of, you know, I would probably consult fresh kills or Willie green or some people that I'm like tight with that I can know, do a lot of different types of styles. You know, uh, they can, they're chameleons in their own way. Like they are, they are who they are. And they have their signature sound, but they they can adapt to to different styles as well as anyone. Mm. Um, so I'm glad I didn't have to call them in, <laughs> but I but I would have, you know, I would have if I had to. Um, so I think that's kind of why it was different. I wanted to branch out, I wanted to challenge myself, and I wanted to to uh, see what we could do, see if we could put together, you know, some of my oldest collaborators with some brand new people and make it sound like it's a complete thought. And it also features a rare moment for yourself in the form of the self-produced Prairie Burn. Can you speak mm -hmm. to your evolution as a producer since you first started? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of uh, evolution, man. I, I, I mean, there is, there is and there isn't. Right, you know? like, that's why I, I ask, because I know yeah. there is behind the scenes which we're not seeing and hearing. Yeah, yeah. I think that my best skill has always been my ear. I don't, I don't know that I don't really, I can't read music. I can't write music. So when I hear something, you know, I'll explain it to somebody like green and green will be like, okay, well that's not musically correct, but we can mess with that. 
or I'll say it to Fresh Kills and, you know, he'll be like, okay, I get it. I get it. Cool. You want to do this? So um, it was a lot of time with me messing around, listening to tons of music and finding bits and pieces and seeing how can I get that piece to sound correct, um, you know, in a loop maybe. Um, and I would say just going back to really enjoying uh, digging, sampling and flipping loops and, and really getting a lot of joy out of that is how I got to make Prairie Burn because that became my favorite thing of the things that I was working on. Um, and I have a bunch of sounds, uh, you know, sometimes I'll just give them to somebody like, like this is my beat. Okay. But you're gonna, you're gonna flip it, you know, right. uh, someone who's much better at that sort of thing. But if, you know, if I, if I spend enough time, I can get to a place, you know, I'm not ever going to be a person who makes even three beats in a day. You know, that's, it's not how I can really, really operate with it, but I can listen to, you know, three, four hours worth of music and find like 15 to 16 interesting parts that I know haven't been really flipped yet or uh, haven't flipped the way that I hear them and, you know, add a little effects to them. And, and the more comfortable, the more I work at it, the more comfortable I get. So I think I got really comfortable during that time with Prairie Burn. And I was like, I don't know when the last time I made something where I was like, I, I need to rap on this, you know? Mm. And I was like, this is for me. And, uh, and I was surprised at how many producers specifically uh, singled it out and told me that, you know, I did a great job and asked me, well, what did you do right there? What did you do right here? And I was like, uh, man, I mean, I, I knew what I did and I knew what I was doing at the time, but it was really, you know, uh, just messing around. Airways choked. Take me to Mardi Gras for stairway coke. All is fair play, though. With blood, blood and ink. They lay the Dallas shirt, say la vie. I don't know what I'm going to do with this project, so, uh, you know, I hope nobody holds me, holds me entirely to it, but I have a lot of sounds that I want to hear both myself and other people on. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that within a year you hear a project where I produce like a, a big part of it. Nice. Nice. I, so. I feel like something's already on the cards. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you mentioned Woods earlier, of course, one of the dopest out there. Talk to me about your support system at Backwoods and being friends with somebody as innovative as Billy Woods is. It's it's uh, it's a trip, man. I mean, we go back, you know, we go back 10 years now. Um, his talk about evolution, you know, that guy. It's funny to have, you know, I'll listen to, you know, I'll get I'll get some things a little early, not not crazy early because he's very tight lipped these days. But, uh, you know, being able to hear something like uh, hiding places, uh, you know, a week or two early or paraffin a couple weeks, month early nice. or even even Haram like a day early because he was like, no one gets this one. <laughs> uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a trip, man, because he's he's probably my favorite rapper right now. And For sure. And he's also just like someone I text and talk to frequently. So. And I know him as a person and, and you don't, it doesn't like take the shine away from that. It, it just makes it, uh, it's such an interesting emotion to be like this guy, like, I know that this, like, I've been listening to rap for 30 years now. You know, I know when someone has like the, the chops that are like almost, it's really hard to really word 
why he is as dope as he is. Mm. You know, it's either it's either you get it, you get it, and then you're in the club, or you don't, and you're like, what's the hype? You know, and then you know he's dealt with that his whole career. Um, but to watch him uh, get to this point is really it's really inspiring. You know, his stamp of approval means you know just means the world. You know, to myself and to Castro, and um, you know he doesn't ever promise you something that he can't do. So he'll temper the expectations to make sure that the things are all set up. And then before, you know, we can move on, he's a level, he's a very level headed guy. He's a very logical guy. Um, you know, he doesn't get caught up in any type of fantasy or projection or, okay, maybe we get this to this person and this happens. It's, no, it's, I'm going to get this to this person. If they listen, we'll take it from there. Or I'm going to do this. And if that happens, then, then, then you know, so many times in your life as a musician, you're going to meet people that are going to sell you, you know, the moon and the stars and, and it never comes close to what it's supposed to be. Um, so I'm grateful that he's a, he's a, he's a pragmatic, logical dude who cares about my music and he wouldn't put it out if he didn't. And that's a good thing to hear too. Cause you know, if there could be, a, there could be a world where he's like, well, I know him prem this long, uh, you know, I kind of owe it to him to, to give him a platform, but now nah, he, he believed in the record. He, li he liked the record a lot, and he wouldn't have done any of this if he didn't. So to have someone like that on your team is important. And, you know, he's accessible. He's ha hella, hella busy, but if I need something, I can call him. And he's going to he's gonna put his name on the line for me uh, within reason. You know, uh, don't expect an Alchemist remix or anything. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him for things if I can and see what, see what happens. And... Uh, and we we've come a long way um, in our in our separate worlds, uh, and it's and it, it just to to describe you know leveling up with someone that you have been rooting for and care about for this long. It's it's so much different than if I signed to just some label where I didn't really know anyone. Um, I've wanted Backwoods to win since you know day one. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it's really great. Likewise, likewise. We're talking about one of the most disciplined as well as committed artists out there. I remember, I remember Woods uh, going back to that Reavers project he curated. Mm. Yeah, back in the day, oh, way back. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Hassan Salam. Right, Akia, absolutely, man. You know, a funny, funny story about Akia. Um, so I... Uh, I mean, it's no secret. I, I tell, you know, I'm pretty open about it. I bartend and uh, right. I, I, come ac I come across a lot of people I'm in New York City, so one day um, Akira rolled in with uh, a friend of mine, and who I can't remember how I knew this guy. He rapped, or he was involved with some kind of show that I did way back in the day, and we kind of did a double take, like, "Oh, like, because you know, I'm working, and it looks it looks strange to some people. They're like, is that you? Is that you?' And I'm right. like, hey, it's me.' So, uh, and he's like, "Oh, peace, uh, Akira," and I'm like, "Oh shit!" I'm like, "Man, I man, I know you. I know you stuff. I actually just texted Woods and." He's like, what? Like, uh, and I guess they had, they had gone to school together. That's how they met. Um, they went to college together. So, wow. um, it was really a happenstance. And, uh, and I told Woods, I'm like, I just saw a cure. He goes, what are you, I haven't seen him in 15 years. I'm like, he's good. He's good. Everything's good. So, uh, and look at, you know, look at everything now, man. It's it, 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 a lot of things come full circle. Yeah. Um, you know, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. How do you feel bartending has informed your writing? A lot. I mean, a lot. It really does. Um, I talk to every type of person, man. Uh, the other day, I got a text from a, a coworker with just an article link, right? 
and it's got this mugshot of this dude. And uh, it says, uh, man uh, booked for murder of 1985 murder or whatever. I open it and I know this guy. He used to come here all the time. And I'm like, David? Like, so, I mean, just to give you an idea, like me and this guy, this guy, you know, was a full, you know, convicted uh, murderer on the run for years and years. And they, no one ever knew it was him who did it. And he finally confessed. And here I am serving him every Sunday. Wow. And, and we joke. And, uh, you know, he busts my balls. I bust his balls. And I, that just illustrates the amount of uh, variety and diversity of people that I interact with on a daily basis. Um, you know, like really, really interesting, successful people. Um, you know, Sway is still sleeping on me. I've served him many times. I told him I gave him my, I, I gave Oh, him really? <laughs> yeah. It, he lives, he lives really close to, uh, to my bar. So he used to come in all the time. So he knows, he knows, he knows what I do, but he's, uh, you know, he's a busy guy, but like that, that'll give you an example. Like I can go from serving Sway to a murderer, to a doctor, to, uh, uh, you know, a hustler from, you know, around the corner and, and we all have rapports. We all, we all meet at different levels, like of, of humanity. And that really informs my writing. Like I can't like during quarantine here, you know, I didn't work for about three months and, and then I went back. So, you know, a lot of people in bars and restaurants took, you know, the whole year off. I actually went back early, um, partially because, it, it's, you know, it's a stressful job and it's, and it's labor. Um, you know, you're on your feet, you're running around, but, but it does inform my writing. Like you, like you mentioned a lot. So when I had that downtime, I wrote, but I started writing more once I got back into work and being around conversations. Um, people who do, I just, I just am really fascinated by, by human behavior and especially that of bars because people are, tend to be a little more honest, a little more broken, a little less idealized and a little less, um, the facades are cracked and, or they don't care about the facades anymore. Um, and they tell me everything. <laughs> I know everything about their life more than I care to know. Um, and it's kind of goldmine, you know, it's not something I want to do forever. You know, if, if, if rap was a way for me to, uh, to live full time, um, I would certainly in a heartbeat, leave it behind, but I would like to go back to it if I wanted to, or maybe own a place. Uh, it's just something that, um, I'm good at in terms of, uh, I pretty sure that I could find, uh, connective tissue between myself and, and almost anybody. And I've been doing it for a long time. So, um, yeah, there's a direct link for sure. Speaking of links, do you see any correlation between your ability in suiting your customers as a bartender and suiting your audience as an artist as a way to advance humanity, given the parallels with one another? Um, I think so. Yeah. Because when I, so when I tour being, being a touring artist where, where people met me in person before they knew my music on the internet in a lot of cases, right? Like I've never been to Wales, but you know, I played, I played around the UK met a lot of people. Um, they didn't really know who I was until I came and played or, or whatever. And my ability to, you know, have the conversation, like the official conversation with the promoter about money and then move on and talk to, you know, people who, you know, sometimes you, as an artist, you attract some, some interesting people who like your music, who aren't, you know, uh, unsavory bunch. And I can certainly mix it up with them too. Mm. And if, if you want to go to an after party, like, 
uh, I'm with it. I like to I like to experience things. Uh, I want to see what what every area I go to has to offer. Um, I think it it suits me in terms of when someone who might be on the fence about what I do meets me, it can turn you into like a little bit more of like, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to give that guy a second chance because he's not an asshole. Right. Uh, yeah. Because I, I mean, I don't know. Not everybody, like, I'm not saying everybody could rap, but it's like, there's a lot of great rappers. And if you want to be just like, think you're the, you know, the shit and act that way to every person you meet and your time is more valuable than the next person's. And like, all right, fine. Like that, you're entitled to be that way, but like people don't got to mess with you anymore. People don't got to root for you. And I have a feeling that, you know, not to get all like, you know, karmic or anything, but there's, there's, there's a real pull to when a lot of people want you to win and, and you feel it. It's, it's like sort of a, a kinetic energy where, uh, I'm starting to feel all the times I've, you know, kind of done the right thing in this industry. didn't cut corners didn't take money from somebody, um, tried to look out for somebody, tried to put somebody on to this or that, that it, it could be coming around back for me. And, um, and I think that it's an important way to live your life. I mean, you don't know what anyone's going through. Mm. So there's no, there's no reason for you to make it harder. What about those parallels in their extension as a form of therapy? How, how reciprocal is your relationship with your clients and the audience in terms of being therapists for you? Mm. Uh, that's a good one. Um, you know, there will be times, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, who, who, who does the therapist talk to, right? Um, mm. yeah, I mean, I've developed bonds, you know, with, with people that you, there's no other way I could have. And I have a, I have a strong support group in terms of putting out music, you know, obviously Wrecking Crew, those are my guys. And if I have an issue, uh, with something or if I'm on the, on the fence about something, I hit them up and, same with green, you know, and, and he does the same for me. Like if, if I'm like, I'm having a really tough time with this specific thing, what do you think about this? And what do you think about the reaction? Um, you know, my partner, she's great. She's good with those, those sort of, uh, questions I might have about, uh, where, you know, where's my place in, in, in this and that. And, and as a, as a person who isn't involved in rap, her opinion helps because sometimes you need to take a step back. Right. Um, but, if the audience is really listening to what I'm saying and sometimes I'll get the, you know, feeling that they are and I'm starting to, and when people are, you know, recycling lyrics back, uh, that was therapy for me to write them. Uh, I think that really helps and it really validates, you know, the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it that you think you've discovered in yourself making this project? Oh, um, that I've come a long way. Uh, in terms of self-awareness, um, you got to realize, you know, you're, you're going to be putting up, uh, walls that you don't know you're doing in general. Um, whether it be, you think you have to, um, talk a certain way, act a certain way, or, um, you know, present yourself in a way that isn't you, um, Pardon if it's vague, but once you realize truly who you are, like you're kind of immune to criticism th that is like unfounded. Now, if someone's criticism is super valid about what you're doing, um, like let's say you're a white artist who's speaking on black issues in a, in a very pandering or 
you know, disrespectful way and a black artist is like, yo, check this. This is why you're wrong. Yeah, that's valid criticism that you need to take to heart. But let's say somebody is saying, oh, the way that you uh, described the breakdown in your mental health in that song, here's why you're wrong. Well, actually, no, I'm not wrong because it was my experience and, and, and I understood and I mined deep uh, why I got to that place and therefore I wrote about it. So therefore, I already did the work. Uh, I already looked in the mirror. I already battled myself. Like, you're not going to uh, expose anything if I've already exposed it for all to see. Um, and that's not really conducive to rappers a lot you know like it's not you're not supposed to admit that you're you know afraid of something or that you're right. unsure of something or that you're struggling or that you know maybe you made a mistake here maybe you slipped up or life is pretty hard and i'm not sure if i'm doing the right thing so i just think that it, it, it's some it's a kind of empowerment that everybody should get to experience and i hope they do. There's a line on a new evidence album and he says, when I'm feeling low, I don't tell him. You know, mm. it goes back to that vulnerability we're talking about. And we hear this vulnerability on his project. There's a few sure. times, you know, where we hear nods to substance abuse in this subject matter. Can you speak to making choices that led to strength and being as brutally honest as you have been with this release? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you, uh, you know, picked up on it because that's, that's intentional. It's in there, it's a, it's, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's, there's intent behind that. It's, uh, you know, there used to be Easter eggs in some of my lyrics in the past where it was kind of like, uh, I kind of hope someone just asked me about this, you know, cause I, cause I don't know how to talk about it. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've been able to kind of confront things like that, you know, alcohol, drugs, things I've been around, things I've been into, um, you know, you, either you get swallowed by uh, the escapism or you diagnose the reason for escape. And I, you know, am imperfect in that sense. And I, yeah, I, it's been a part of me, you know, for the, for the better part of my life, you know, unfortunately uh, comes from, you know, my family's had some struggles, not really my immediate family, but you know, aunts and uncles and a lot of uh, people kind of fell into that trap. And, it's like you put on a brave face when you're down, you don't tell them. Like Evidence said, that's certainly like part of it. But then you go home and there's no one else around. What are you doing? You know, are you calling a dealer? Are you escaping? Like, you know, what are you, where are you going? Where, like, why are you, why are you there? And, and what's, what's the end game? And, you know, the end game is, is, is a morgue for a lot of people. It's a rehab, you know. Uh, you know, you look at someone like Danny Brown. He was celebrated for his excess and, and his partying and his rock star and, and all the drugs and all the women. And now you look at him now. He's, he seems happy and healthy and looks like, and he's what, 40? And it's like, this isn't what everyone, you know, planned on happening. And, and this is what, this is reality. You know, you're going to, you're not going to make it if you don't, if you don't check yourself. And he, and he's a person I look to and I'm like, man, that was really dope because every publication, every video, every outlet seemed to be like fantasizing his demise. Mm. And, and then you see the real thing happen with someone like Mac Miller and you're just like, that guy did not want to die. He didn't want to die. He got the bad, he got a bad dose and, and look what happened. You know, you're gone. And so 
you, you think you're above it. You think you know your way around. Um, you're street smart. You can kind of handle anything that that life throws at you. And, you know, you're a vet. But at the end of the day, like, you know, it could come crashing down and it's a dangerous game. You're playing. You're playing, in essence, a, uh, a long, an elongated version of, like, Russian roulette when you're, when you're choosing to engage in, like, heavy substance abuse. And knowing that that part of me isn't uh, – it's, I don't think it's a part that ever leaves any person entirely. So where I'm, uh, where I'm at with that was, uh, you know, I didn't find – uh, this stride that I found on this record until, you know, I found true stability. And so that'll go to, you know, that'll speak to, you know, getting right. You're going to create better art than when you're, you know, a mess. Even if society wants to romanticize the broken, addicted, troublesome artist, uh, I can, you know, I could speak to it that it's not healthy. Uh, and it's not, it's not, it's not going to last, you know? Um, so, so getting right and, uh, and, and exploring, healthier patterns in my life and kind of leaving the substance abuse behind, um, allowed me to like really get in strides and making better art. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I yeah, really appreciate that, man. There's so much to navigate on this album in these lyrics. Is there anything you're not willing to share in your music? Huh? I don't think so. I think everything's on the table. It felt like a parable, I'm telling you, man. Wearing that shame like a tan, scrub it off, but you can't. Dead wrong with my manners, I'm getting high again. Sounds like you backed the wrong lie to win. Whiskey in his hand, and I smell another diatribe. A real Nighthawks at the Dino Vibe, my kind of tribe. Trying to survive, we'll get along by and by. We both recognize that lies lie. The half truths light up the sky like fireflies. Everyone's a suspect in the case of who the fuck trusts what's left. Waiting for the dust to settle on cut flesh. The pot's slowly becoming the kettle. Can I get a fuck yes? We mentioned Woods earlier, and of course, he's got this reputation for being so elusive. How have you learned to strike a balance between animity in your content and being as open as you are with your content? What do you think you've learned from Woods in approaching that? Um, one thing I love about Woods' music, um, and I think he'll probably say it himself, is that he borrowed um, from the, the School of Doom, where, mm. you know, that kind of that he was known or he was known around town. Uh, I use it a lot in my writing. And I tried, you know, I started to use it before even I was listening to Woods, but I liked exploring the ideas of creating that other identity um, of that, you know, kind of omniscient uh, narrator commenting on the actions of the character and the character could be you. Um, I like that. It's poetic license. Um, and I think I've, He's a, he's a great uh, example of, of how that's used, and where where the character we have a pretty good idea who the character is, but at the same time, we uh, we it's still cloaked a bit, um, and it's a it's a literary device in my opinion, and mm. and I definitely think that hearing Woods um, kind of perfect it in my opinion uh, was was a great example of kind of keeping that um, you know poetic license and, 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 and anonymity to uh, rightfully in your possession. Um, you are the author. You're writing this record. And the people are going to hear and see what you allow them to see. And I think that everything that you hear on this record certainly is me. There's no, like, extrapolating or projecting or, uh, you know, like, uh, aggrandizing 
uh, viewpoints or anything. It's just uh, simply a branch of the tree. And and let, let's explore, you know. Speaking of writing, you described this album as being a lifetime in the making with regards to the content on this project. How much was written pre-COVID and these unusual circumstances around this quote-unquote new normal? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, a good amount. A good amount was written pre-COVID. Um, I don't know if I could put a number on it. Probably right. probably more than half. Um, yeah, I would say probably more than half. Uh you know, if on a winter's night from Zilla, uh, you know, I had that written well before COVID. I remember working on the Brain Orchestra tracks up until COVID and then kind of re-editing it. Same with the Denmark tracks. Um, Willie Green and I made friends quite a while back um, and then we just completely revamped it and uh, like kind of gutted it and put it back together. Um, so, yeah, I would say I probably put it at like 60 to 65 percent was done pre-COVID. So, uh nice. Yeah. It feels like you've achieved a place of complete freedom writing and creating this album. Would you agree with that? Uh, that's a goal. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. That's a goal. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm almost there. Um, but yeah, I think everything that I set out to do, um, free of constrictions and free of, um, you know, the restraints that are put on you that you think are there that aren't there. None of them are there. You know, they're all perceived and you could be as honest as you want or you can create a world that you wish you could live in um, and you don't. It's up to you. And yeah, I think that that's key. I, want, I think every artist deserves to be as free as that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned some of the cast for this project earlier. Can you talk about some of the collaborators who appear throughout this album, which in my opinion, you masterfully curate? What can you tell me about working with Elucid for Remorse specifically? How did that one come about? Yeah, um, I've known Elucid for a long time, too. Um, We've done a lot of shows together uh, in New York over the years. Great guy. I mean, tremendous, tremendous artist. uh, Just continues to reinvent what he does. Uh, Amazing writer. But now I feel like his performances are stepping up uh, in terms of like, they're just it's it's all meeting in the middle for him and it's like he's getting to this point where like every time he does something it's 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 really it's really an experience so um yeah i just uh you know i had that song pretty much done but then i was like man it would be so ill if elusa did this hook and then mm. i heard or i can't remember what it was that i was either talking to green and green was like yeah yeah, yeah in here next week or whatever i was like huh so I email him and I'm like, yo, would you just, uh, would you just do this hook for me real quick? Um, and then he, I think he hit me back. I can't remember. And then I was like, green was in the studio and I was like, can you like, uh, if you guys got time, can you like nudge him? And he's like, got you. Cause you know, he's like, green's like invested in making pretty much everything I do because it's his, at the end of the day, he's putting his name on the engineering. So uh, yeah, he was like, yo, can we, can we bang this out? And Elucid did it, emailed it to me right away. He's like, got you done. Boom. Um, and it was it, it was a wrap and it was exactly what I wanted. Um, I knew that maybe some people were going to be like, Oh, oh, great. Featuring Elucid. And then it's just that hook. <laughs> I know. Uh, not sorry for that because I, uh, I like historically, although as a kid, I might've been a little bummed if I saw that. Um, I like these 
kind of um, additions and, and spices and flavors throughout albums. I like when they're done. And I just hope that they're done right. And uh, yeah. I think we I think, I think we did it there. Yeah, you did. And it goes back to what you said earlier about not shoehorning features and those features happening when it makes sense. And I think that's the reason, at least I feel like I'm sensing it's the reason why Woods isn't on this album himself. Yep, yep, that's it. Uh, you know, he might be a... Uh, he might joke and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you didn't, you, you know, you didn't want me on." It's cool. <laughs> Is that uh, what he says? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, he would. He would. He'd be like, oh, yeah. You thought my bars weren't up up to par, huh? Uh, nah, he he would just be joking. But, right, um, right, of course. Yeah, no, I know he had, I know he had the time. I know he had at that at that time. It would have been easy. It would have been as easy as as it's ever, you know, gonna be probably uh, to get him on it. I had an idea. And then immediately I, I was like, nah. And then I'm like, no, this is just me. And a couple of people asked me, they're like, so what's going to be on this, right? I'm like, I'm like, I'm not seeing it. And then, you know, Green backs me up. He's like, yeah, where, 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 where is he on here? Right. And I'm like, you're right, you're right. So, and I know that would have been better for my, you know, cachet, uh, streaming and eyes and all that to get a really, you know, vintage Woods verse, but but you know, I wasn't gonna cut corners to get it. We're gonna we're gonna do something. We might even do something pretty soon um, that I think would be pretty exciting. Um, it's overdue uh, to find the right thing and to and to kind of parse it together. But yeah, I, I'm glad you picked up on that. That that's you hit it on the nose. That that's what it was. about Witty Green. What's the collaboration being like with Witty throughout this entire thing from the jump? From the jump of the record? or Yeah, from, from the jump of the record but we can talk about, of course, stretch from back to the beginning of your career because I know there is a, a long relationship with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So we had plans to get this going. It was in the calendar and then COVID, right? Right. Uh, and before COVID even happened, um, I had a there was a fire in my uh, apartment building, and it kind of left me displaced for a bit. So it was 2020 was like <laughs> not a great time. You know, I was good. Obviously, I was straight. I had a place to go. Um, nothing of mine got destroyed, uh, and it was kind of serendipitous in a way that it was time to move on from that that apartment. But uh, uh, that I had to re I had to recalibrate, and then COVID hits, and then we don't know. I got sessions from. Fresh Kills' apartment. I got fresh uh, sessions from Steel to Doves. I got sessions that I did myself. And the plan was always to just get together in person. And now COVID is, and we don't know what we're, we're about to do here. Um, he gets a due date for his son, um, Clyde, mid-October. Absolutely everything's got to be done by mid-October. He's like, I can't, you know, um, I can't commit to anything uh, beyond that right now. So we're scrambling and, uh, you know, we find a date where I can get in. Uh, you know, we do the masks. I was the only person to come in up until this point to the studio. So, you know, masks, we got the sanitizer everywhere. I'm in a separate booth. Um, 
and we pretty much track out 90% of the album and did it this way. He had everything. He put everything together. I mean, he's such a professional in that regard that it's like, I know it's like professionalism should be the baseline, but it's not, you know, like people lose things. People don't open files. Uh, he's never lost or, or, or not opened a file since I've known him. Uh, I'm talking about hundreds of files. Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, everything's backed up three places. <laughs> I mean, you could ask Woods. I don't know what Woods would do without him. Um, you know, he's, he's such an important part of the whole thing. So in that time, he did uh, Haram, Brass, and this album. Crazy. I mean, within a, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm never, I'm never going to stop short of the superlatives with him. I mean, and he's my, you know, very good friend. And it was, uh, you know, he's like, we're going to get it done. Don't worry. Like this record is going to be done and turned in, in our, you know, in, in the time that we needed to be turned in. And, uh, and that's what we did. Humming something about part time. Can I borrow a dime? You see, I bought the bottle with mine. Why? Hands ache, Porsche mold the coke, your vanity plate. Document the plan shape, recorded in landscape. Break it down in morsels, send your morse course load. Hit me if you're able, bro. The same if the plans change, the blade is all the same. Yet it's all together fatal though. And morning broke, softly like clay in June. Wondering how long I'm staying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it ain't soon. San Sebastian, sun sweat, fog wide, touch a maple, I detect. Like who's playing who? Shit hurts, bad trip that stays with you like big lurch. Past debts vacate with you, it gets worse. I would say um, remorse was probably I'm like this song is too too dope to like I did it we me and Kills made the beat together in Toronto and uh, he was just like yeah this this is nasty like I I, I basically I, I I'm like yo I got this bass on gave it to him he's like this is wild he's like what if I did this I'm like okay do this don't do that boom so then he's like drums got him. Uh, added some extra things. You know, we, we, we made it entirely together in person. And then I just started writing and rapping and, you know, and I was like, he's like, what are you going to do with this song? Because it's not, uh, we weren't going to use it for a project that me and him were on. I'm like, I'm like, I, I got to put a solo album out. He's like, and he was super encouraging about it. He's like, he's like, you need that definitive work, man. Like we need, you know, we need to hear you, yeah. uh, you know, and this is a good starting point. So I'd say remorse was, uh, the very first song and then i would say soft machinery and conversion rate were probably the closing tracks as well as uh the henry canyon song the shortest story ever dope dope what was the energy behind apollo kids meal mm. uh yeah uh man just writing like that was like probably my I was really trying to write that shit, like really, like. And, and there's a line where I talk about uh, behind the lazy boy, I hit my journal, yeah. Uh, where you know my sister, she found um, my book of rhymes when I was 13, and they were not good. Uh, <laughs> and she, you know, it was like I'm sure we could all relate to like a major violation of like your personal uh, boundaries. And yes, yeah, she right. found them. She didn't have to read them, you know, so I, I told her about that. I'm like, yeah, it turned into a song a little bit. So it's kind of all encompassing to like writing, um, like going through drafts and being like, you know, what what's important? What do you keep? What do you throw away? Uh, what do you share? What do you reserve for yourself? Um, and, you know, I took a ghost face line. Yeah. Um, yeah. From Apollo Kids. Uh, and the beat that Brain Orchestra gave me was called Lazy Boy. 
so uh sometimes you take what the producer gives you and and it helps you think of something um and i was like huh okay and i'll always listen to ghostface you know sometimes i go back and i go on a binge and uh, i think at that time i was i was you know in my ghostface bag so i was like mm. man apollo kids is an underrated song of his and then i'm like uh behind the lazy boy where you hid your knife uh, so I was like behind the lazy boys where you hit the uh, journal, uh, let's play off that kind of tie in all these loose concepts and, uh, see if I can't, you know, make it all fit. Circling back to ghosts in your relationship with ghosts, you've, you've referenced him in past, of course, in your music. Can you remember your first time hearing ghosts? What was the first ghost face track you heard or album? 36 chambers, um, catch the blast of a hype verse, uh, he was, uh, he wasn't, I don't think he was my favorite uh, immediately, but you know, I was like eight years old, nine years old, right. but I was like in the booklet, he didn't show his face and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> like, who, who, like, come on. I mean, for like a, a eight year old in the, like, you know, whatever, like if you're into like the Marvel universe or, or, or any of that yeah. stuff, like this, this guy is already so interesting. Um, his voice, like somehow nasally and shrill but like will still beat you like beat you down like uh so charismatic um and then skipping ahead uh i was like you know truly coming of age when supreme clientele came out and then i was like it was every single day in my life i listened to that album Crazy. for so so long uh and you know just sharing it trying to decode it talking to your friends about it what did he mean by this? Uh, and you know, your, your theories as a, as a 13 year old is like, you know, all completely wrong, but you, uh, you know, like uh, you're trying to figure it out. Right. And you don't know what, you don't know what half these things are. You don't know what the nation of Islam references are like, you know, uh, you don't know what, um, all of these drug slang things are. And, uh, you know, you're kind of learning and, but as a writer, I'm, I'm just like, man, like I go back 20, 20 some odd years later and I'm like, he was really like he's he's just a really special um, person. The way he sees the world, um, you know, a true storyteller. Uh, that I can't remember who said this, but so I so I can't properly attribute it. But somebody on Twitter said, "Nas is a storyteller that sits from you know from the stoop or from the fire escape and and details you a detailed chapter of what's going on, whereas." Ghostface is a guy who busts into the barbershop out of breath telling you everything that he just saw. Call an ambulance, Jamie been shot. Words of Kimmy don't go, son, nigga, you my motherfucking heart. Stay still, son, don't move. Just think about Kiba. Should be three in January, your young guard needs ya. The ambulance is taking too long. Everybody get the fuck back. Excuse me, bitch, give me your jack. 1718-911, low battery. Damn, blood coming out his mouth. He bleeding badly. Nah, Jamie, don't start that shit. Keep your head up. If you escape hell, we getting fucked up when we... I really wish I could attribute this. So if anyone's listening and you said that, like, I want to give you that prop, but I don't remember who it was. But that stuck with me because I was like, wow, that's so true. Like, you, you there, there's, there's, uh, we need both those type of people in, uh, in, in, in writing and, and in storytelling alone. That's how stories stay alive. That's how, you know, you need the person that can tell you the sound effect that the, <laughs> the punch made, you know, uh, as well as, 
what what brought that fighter what what emotional baggage brought that fighter to the fight you know that's what what a nas type would do but what ghostface would be like nah you hit him like boom and like right. you know you feel like you're there uh just one of a kind um you know i'll never know what it's like to be anywhere near ghostface as like a, as a human being and, and what he went through and all of that but it's like uh, what he became, um, you know, he, he is, for me, you know, as impactful a writer as there are. I've always said that Ghostface raps as if he's losing a game of Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, he's he's often breathless and, and in disbelief. Uh, you know, he simply can't believe what's happening around him a lot of times. And yeah. that's what makes it so, it makes him human too. You know, he, he rapped about, you know, uh, you know, in the era of every rapper being, you know, this player and, you know, never loving hoes, he was the one who was like, yo, actually, like, I'm, I'm kind of fucked up over this one, this one girl. And I, and that's mm. really relatable. That's a relatable thing, you know, is to have relationship trouble. That's relatable. It really is. And you mentioned the code, you know, within his rhyme and technique is something that's, you know, present in your style and artistry as well. Uh, well, that's a huge compliment, and I do believe that it's true. Uh, I don't believe that everything should be spelled out perfectly for for people, um, and I think that's that's just part of what art should be. I don't uh, I don't have a problem if anyone's like, "What did you mean by this?" I don't have a problem sitting and explaining because I'm you know I'm happy you care enough to ask that question. But at the same time, like uh, I want you, if you're going to truly listen to my music, uh, I want you to do you know do a little work. Um, I don't want to spell it out for you and. Uh, I think that's a sign of respect, actually, to the listener. What about the future? Do you have any plans to work with the Wrecking Crew anytime soon again? Oh yeah, um, we are. Uh, I can spill the beans on this one. We're uh, we're we're working on a, a full length album, Mezilla and Castro. Um, some really cool production. Um, Smalls is going to handle quite a bit. Some Dope. very exciting guests, by the way. So. Uh, we we got some some rappers of the day and some favorites of the past um, that you would not I you could probably sit here and throw thirty guesses at me and you wouldn't guess any any of them so um, we're gonna do it right and uh, I'm excited by that shrapnel follow up is pretty much done um, yeah I think we did a I think we did a really good job there that's a whole different animal. Um, totally different approach and you know we're just uh we're hitting our stride together doing some shows together uh you know coming up and uh just want to keep the foot on the gas but also you know smell the roses a little bit i don't want to i don't want to keep moving i'm not the type of person that's like grind 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 but it's like you know at the end of the day what's it all for if you don't if you don't enjoy it absolutely absolutely any kind of timeline on these releases uh i can't properly say um shrapnel i would definitely say next year um through backwards uh but we have to you know kind of wait till that all that is is settled uh with our other releases castro has a solo album coming out soon which is incredible i've been listening to it um he it's it's kind of like the perfect for foil for my record it's like uh and we didn't do this intentionally um it's just simply like when you put together shrapnel my solo and his solo you're gonna be like this is like a almost like a collector set <laughs> and uh and uh, i'm really excited for him i'm excited for him uh you know he deserves his day and 
I know Zilla's got a uh, LP coming out uh, in two weeks too. So we're we're keeping very active on that front. Um, I got a project with some artists from Austria, uh, from Vienna specifically, and um, I won't say too much about that, but that'll be early 2022 kind of genre bending. Um, I'm rapping. Don't get it confused. <laughs> I won't be carrying any tunes, but uh, it's going to be a really different sound. So I'm hoping people can can get with that one too. Very dope. And of course, you've got a line of shows coming up soon with Arm and Hammer, don't you? Yeah, I got... um. We're gonna do Central Park, which is is quite amazing. Yeah, um, huge. Having gone, yeah, it's it's a big one. So, uh, having gone to a bunch of those in my in in, in the last like fifteen years, uh, it's really amazing to be playing one. So, uh, got to thank Woods for that. Um, then we're doing Boston and Philly, and then me and Castro we're gonna do a couple uh, couple shows uh, in addendum to those on our own. So, yeah, staying active. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to, I, I am excited to make more solo stuff, uh, but I just don't crank, uh, you know, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see like another one pop up at the end of the year or anything like that. So, uh, sorry to say, but, <laughs> but it isn't to say that I'm not working on a lot of stuff. So. And scattered ashes of a catalog, a battered pattern of an added bomb. If on a winter's night, a traveler, a vagabond and kept them spells and them poems on a shelf with the bones and the ghosts that drift through. And all they do is prattled on about a Babylon. The word of day dystopian, I'll pass it on. Birth the phrase for dopian, I'll pass it on. Without fear of the wind, I extend and travel on. Kept inside a travelogue, wept inside an epilogue. And always got choked up at the sight of a finished song. And shrug a shoulder, hell this winter is long and get high. Like fuck and pick apart my brain and call it twilight's bluff like this light will never fade i wish i could show my appreciation for this podcast i wish i could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when fly fidelity updates because it's so great but i don't think there's a way i can do any of those things uh-oh you're wrong <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My peoples, are you with me where you at?